Hey guys, welcome to the hashtag Get Real Woke podcast. I'm your host, Frederick D. Scott. And today is hashtag for the free Friday, the time that I come on every week and give you guys a step-by-step guide to how it is that you can get where it is that you want to be professionally or personally in your journey. So before we get into today's topic, I need everybody to hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the bell notification, leave me a comment at the end of this video to let me know what you think, and definitely hit that join button to join the hashtag Real Woke Live Chat Community. All right, so let's jump right into today's topic. We are going to continue our journey down the uh, Credit Mastery series. We're on part two today. And so we just going to keep it rolling, pick up right where we left off. So today, some of the things I want to cover, you know, I gave you guys a bit of an introduction last week. You know, I talked about a few things, gave you a little bit of history, gave you a little bit of background, referenced the two laws that we're going to be looking at. Uh, and and considering while we're going down the credit mastery journey together. Today, I kind of want to get into, we'll start at least, getting into the meat and potatoes of, of what this is about. So today, we're actually going to talk a little bit about the credit report. We're going to talk a little bit about how credit reporting works and, and how, you know, what goes into a, a FICO score as it relates to your credit profile, et cetera, et cetera. So let's go ahead and get right into this today. So now, remember last week I told you that there are three different credit bureaus, there's TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian, right? So that's where you're going to go to be able to view your credit reports from each bureau, or you can use a third-party company such as myfico.com and, you know, for a nominal fee for a couple of dollars, you're going to be able to get in there and get all three of your scores and look at all three of your reports at the same time. I can tell you that I use myfico.com. I love myfico.com. I think everybody You know, if you're serious about your credit, you should probably be using myfico.com specifically because, you know, it it is it is created and, and, and ran and operated by the very people that that create the FICO scoring models and the FICO scoring algorithms, which is the Fair Isaac Credit Organization or FICO. So I would definitely recommend using a product that they've put out specifically uh to to give consumers the opportunity to look at their credit profiles. And again, I I use it uh, religiously. I love it. Um, And I can't say enough great things about it. Now, with that in mind, let's jump into this. So how does it work? And you know me, y'all know how I am, right? I, uh, I'm i very much a note taker. I like to do my little outlines and put my little things together. You know, I done got a little smarter about this. And instead of writing them in my notebook, you know, I've started writing them on my computer. That way I can kind of uh, reference them a little bit better, a little bit faster, right? So here we go. So I want to talk about first, let's talk about what's in a FICO score. What makes up a FICO score? How is how does it work? What is in the algorithm, right? What goes into the calculation that the algorithm uses to generate a FICO score uh, for your credit profile? Let's talk about that. So, so when you think about it, right, FICO scoring is broken down into five separate parts. Now, let me say, let me let me back up a little bit and kind of say something before we jump into this, right? I'm going to be talking to you from two different standpoints. I'm going to talk to you first about and and as a, straight up as a a a person teaching you about credit and how it works. The second part, I'm the, the second way I'm going to be talking to you is as an underwriter, as a banker. So I'm going to look at the credit scoring model both as it is and as it's discussed and as it should be discussed 
And then I'm going to talk about some things that are not readily referenced or discussed that we as bankers look at that really matter. So I'm going to give you both. Right. So there's a lot of stuff I'm going to talk about in this video that, you know, you you are not going to hear very many places because unless you've been there and done it, it you wouldn't know. So I I I want to say that before we jump into this. Okay, okay, okay. So I've I've, I've done enough background talking now. Let's let's get into it. Cause that's what y'all here for, right? Y'all y'all here for the business. You like, man, stop all that talking. Get to it. All right, let me get to it. So check this out. So the FICO scoring model or the FICO scoring algorithm that's used to generate uh, your FICO score is actually broken down. It looks at five separate components of the credit profile to generate a FICO score. And the five separate parts are payment history, the amount that you owe, length of credit history, credit mix, and new credit. So these are the five areas that are, are, are looked at heavily by the FICO scoring models or the FICO scoring algorithm, right? Now, breaking them down, and don't worry, I'm gonna spend a, I'm gonna spend some time on each one of these areas specifically and independently as their own, but I'm giving you a little bit of an overview right now. So when we talk about payment history, payment history makes up 35% of your FICO score. Payment history makes up 35% of that. So of course, the first thing any lender wants to know is whether you've paid past credit accounts on time. This helps a lender figure out the amount of risk it will take on when extending you credit. This is the most important factor in a FICO score. Do you pay your bills on time? period. Do you pay on time? So that is the most important thing to a lender. What we want to know is that when you borrow money, that you pay it on time. Because that's going to tell us that if we loan you money, you're going to pay us on time too, right? So that that that's what that's the most important thing. Now, when I talk about amounts owed, because this is the second, the second part, it's amounts owed, Amounts owed makes up 30% of your FICO score. So payment history and the amount you owe on your debt makes up a grand total of 65% of your FICO score. So stands to reason that if these two areas aren't on point, chances are you probably have a really bad FICO score. It's probably OD trash, right? So what is amounts owed? Having credit accounts and owing money on them does not necessarily mean you are a high-risk borrower with a low FICO score. So let's just put that out there first. However, if you are using a lot of your available credit, that may indicate that you are overextended and banks can interpret this to mean that you are at a higher risk of defaulting. Now, when we talk about amounts owed, and I'm gonna get into this in, in a little bit later, Part of what we're talking about is what we call a utilization ratio, right? So, and and don't worry, I'm going to get into this a little bit more, but we consider your utilization ratio. And what I mean by that is let's just say that you have a thousand dollar credit line and you've used all thousand dollars of it, right? Well, you know, that's great, you know, on one side of it, because you the interest is going to be higher that you have to pay or the amount, the, the dollar amount based on the interest rate is going to be higher because, of course, you know, a 10% interest rate on $100 is less than a 10% interest rate on $1,000. So that's cool on that side. Conversely, though, if you're maxing out and consistently maxing out your credit cards, you know, then it looks as though you're living on debt. You are, quote unquote, robbing Peter to pay Paul. And in that aspect, you could be viewed as a financial risk because you, excuse me, it could be viewed that you are living beyond your means, 
And by living beyond your means, that means if we extend you credit, there's a good chance that we're going to tip the scales to a point to where you'll no longer be able to pay. And at that point, we're not going to get our money, right? So that's amounts owed. Now, the third category is length of credit history, length of credit history. And that makes up 15% of your FICO score. The length of your credit history makes up 15% of your FICO score. See, in general, having a longer credit history is positive for your FICO scores, but it's not required for a good credit score. See, so you can have great credit with accounts that aren't that old. But, and remember, I told you I was going to talk to you as a banker too. When your accounts, when all of your accounts are very new, you know, you don't have a long history and track record of, of positively making payments. You know, as a lender, I got to keep that in mind because, okay, great. You've got great payment history for the last three months, six months, a year. That's great. But at the end of the day, a year is not a very long time in a banking life cycle. The way we look at it is a year is not a long time, especially when we routine, routinely issue loans for 30 years. So, you know, we always keep that in the back of our mind because, okay, things are going great. What's going to happen next year? What's going to happen the following year? We're not really sure. If you had a 10-year history of payment, uh, positive payments, that means that you've seen some ups, you've seen some downs, you've seen some good, you've seen some bad, but you've always been able to consistently make your payments on time. And so, you know, we're much more confident in your ability to maintain your obligations than we are of somebody that has, you know, let's say a year or less of, of credit history if that makes sense to you. So your FICO score takes into account how long your credit accounts have been established, including the age of your oldest account, the age of your newest account, and the and an average age of all your accounts. How long specific credit accounts have been established, how long it has been since you use certain accounts. Now, let's talk about that. Let's spend a little time on that. Now, check this out. If you have a a a great payment history if you have a credit card let's say that has been open for 10 years and the entire time that you've used it you've paid it on time but you haven't used it in the last five years well that's not very helpful right the name of the game is credit fico scores weigh credit so if you don't use your credit, then it weighs against your FICO score. You have to use the credit to keep maintaining a great FICO score and to keep boosting your FICO score. That's the name of the game. Remember, I told you the FICO scoring model. If you watched my last video, I told you the FICO scoring model and credit reporting and, and how this all works in general is inerse to the benefit of the bank. So when you're not doing the things the bank expects you to do and the algorithm expects you to do uh, to be able to maintain good credit, it affects you negatively. Always remember that, right? So the, the name of the game here is credit. Now, so the fourth, the fourth, the fourth item that the, the FICO scoring model weighs is what we call credit mix. So credit mix makes up 10% of your FICO score and credit mix. So it works like this. FICO scores will consider your mix of credit cards, retail accounts, installment loans, finance company accounts, and mortgage loans. Now here's the thing. There are really only two types of loans, installment and revolving. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. There are really only two types of loans, installment and revolving. So, you know, all the things I just named right now, you know, credit cards, retail accounts, installment loans, finance company accounts, mortgage loans. Sounds really complicated. Like what's this, what's this, what's this? I'm shortly going to break them down in a very, into two categories very easily for you. Okay. Now the last, the last area that is weighted in the FICO score is new credit. New credit counts for 10%, 10% of your FICO score. Now, Research was done, right? So there was a study conducted and research shows that opening several credit accounts in a short amount of time represents a greater risk, especially for people who don't have a long credit history. So, you know, one of the things I always hear from these quote unquote credit gurus, right, is, oh, you know, 
you you we we didn't cleaned up your credit, you know, we didn't got the stuff off your credit. Now we need to build your credit. You need to go open, you know, five credit cards right now. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. And oftentimes opening a whole bunch of credit at one time, you you are viewed as a higher credit risk, right? Because we're wondering, well, what are you doing? Why are you opening so much credit at once? Are you trying to get around our risk management system, our underwriting policies and procedures whereby? So, no, I'm not going to say that because if I say that, right, then somebody will try to figure out a way to make that work for doing something nefarious. So I'm, I'm not going to share that. Sorry, guys, but it was a thing I wanted to tell you. But, but basically, like, we know there's a way that we can tell, like, if, so for example, you open a credit card you know, it's going to report. And so we'll see it. We, you know, sometimes people think that they're getting around the system by opening a whole bunch of credit cards at once thinking they're not reporting. I want to give you a secret. We have a backend tool now because this was happening so often. We have a backend system now that we can look, even if you open an account, you know, 48 hours ago, 24 hours ago, we'll know about it. We'll see it, even though it's not reported on your credit report. So just don't do that. Okay. But uh, so new credit makes up 10% of your credit score. Now, let's kind of dive into each one of these a little bit and talk about each of the five now. I just want to spend a little time talking about each of the five. So, so what types of accounts are considered for credit payment history? So what we consider, what, what, what the FICO scoring model, the FICO scoring algorithm considers uh, and credit payment history would be like credit cards. And when we say credit cards, we mean like Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, et cetera. Retail accounts. So retail accounts are like credit from stores where you shop, department stores, things like that. Like, you know, you get one of those CVS credit cards, you get one of those, uh, I don't know, Macy's credit cards, JCPenney credit cards. You know, if you're old enough to remember Montgomery Ward, my grandma used to have a Montgomery Ward card, right? So these are all retail credit cards. They can only be used at the store. Uh, you can't use them anywhere else. It just gives you the ability to charge items at that store. We consider those retail accounts. Now, installment loans. Installment loans are loans where you make regular payments. This is like a car loan. It's like a car loan, right? So it's, it's very much like a car loan. You make a car loan. You, you get a car loan from a finance company. You have to pay it every single month until it's paid off. Say it's 60 months. You pay equal payments for 60 months and it's paid off, right? So that's it. That's what we consider an installment loan. Uh, finance company accounts. So sometimes, you know, uh, a, a vendor or a store, and it's really, you know, this happens on the personal side too. But when you think about finance company accounts, I usually think about business and I think about uh, vendor accounts where they give you a net 30, net 60, net 90, which means that they give you the stuff now, but you got to make the payment in full in 30 days. You got to make the payment in full in 60 days. You got to make the payment in full in 90 days. Um, it's possible to do that personally as well. Some stores do uh, give individual store credit like that or what we call vendor credit like that. But, you know, that that is a thing that's kind of um, kind of phased out a lot because of store credit cards and things like that. Back in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, that was kind of a popular thing. Not so much anymore. Uh, and, and mortgage loans. So the last one is mortgage loans, right? So these are the types of accounts that are considered for uh, credit payment history, right? So mortgage loans. Now, the other thing that we consider when we're talking about payment history, what this FICO score algorithm is, is considering are, are public records and collection items. What are public records and collection items? Bankruptcies. So for those of you who don't know, bankruptcies generally stay on your credit report for seven to 10 years. And that's depending on the type of bankruptcy because there are different types of, of bankruptcies. And, and they usually sit on your report for seven to 10 years. But if you have public records, a bankruptcy is considered a public record. We see that. That gets reported to your credit profile. Uh, lawsuits. So if you've been sued and there was a judgment issued and you owe somebody money, uh, they can have that recorded and reporting to your credit profile. It is possible, right? Uh, wage attachments, wage garnishments. 
you know, when I think of wage garnishments, the easiest thing that I can think of, uh, because it kind of is a bit of an issue in our community, is child support obligations, right? So when you owe the government and, and the child support obligation itself is a public record as well. So the child support obligation can be reported just individually by itself to your credit report. But the other thing that can be reported to your credit report is a wage garnishment. So let's say the, and another way that, and, and when you talk about wage garnishments, another thing is taxes. You owe taxes, uh, that can be reported to your credit report and a wage garnishment can be issued and they can get theirs off the top the same way the child support people can. So the, the moral of the story there is pay your bills, right? Pay your obligations. Don't get in trouble with, with, with child support and, and taxes because lenders see that. And, you know, it, it, it raises your risk category completely. Now, so now there are seven components that make up your payment history. There are seven components. So the seven components that make up your payment history are payment information on credit cards, retail accounts, installment loans, mortgage loans, and other types of accounts. The other thing the algorithm waits is how overdue delinquent payments are today or may have become in the past. So that's weighted as well. The amount of money still owed on delinquent accounts or collection items. So for example, you got a collection, you got a charge off. Then let's say, you know, it was a $10,000 loan. You paid 5,000 of it, but you couldn't pay the other five. You stopped making payments. It went into collection. 50% of that money that you borrowed is still owed and is a factor when being considered in your overall FICO score. Uh, the other thing that's considered is the amount of time that's passed since delinquencies, adverse public records, or collection items were introduced. So a new collection item does much more damage to your FICO score than one that let's say three, four, five years old. The older a collection is, and the older a public record is, the less effect it has on your overall FICO score. However, no matter how old it is, it is always going to impact your FICO score negatively, which is why being able to dispute things, settle things, negotiate things, et cetera, et cetera, is very important for being able to build and, and repair your FICO score. And that's something we're going to talk about. Uh, I believe we're going to get start getting into that uh, in two weeks. We're going to talk about how you build uh, your credit. Now, the number of accounts that are being paid is agreed. So this is the seventh component that makes up your payment history. It's the number of accounts that are being paid as agreed. So you know, if you've got 10 credit lines or what we call a uh, trade lines, uh, if you've got 10 trade lines on your credit report, what is a trade line? A trade line could be a credit card, mortgage payment, auto loan, et cetera, et cetera. These are all trade lines. They're reporting items on your credit profile that make up your FICO score. It shows the amount of payments you've made, how long you've had the credit, et cetera, et cetera. It's a trade line. So let's say you've got 10 trade lines. Let's say five of them are paid unagreed, five of them are delinquent, and they've had 30-day lates, 60-day lates, 90 days lates, or you know, you've got three that are like that and two that are in collections. Well, believe it or not, even though you've got five that are paid as agreed, the ones that are in collections and delinquent are gonna hurt you considerably. So you don't get as much of a reward. So, so, so from a risk weighting standpoint with the algorithm, and I just want to just, just throw this out there for you to, to, to think about the algorithm is, is weighted much more heavily to the negatives than it is to the positives. What do I mean by that? Yes. Paying agreed. You don't have any public collections. Great. It's going to boost your FICO score. Your FICO score is going to be great. But boy, when I tell you that once you start making late payments, once you get a collection, you want to see a FICO score get crushed, get a collection, get a collection. The, the FICO scoring algorithm penalizes you much more heavier 
for negative items than it rewards you for positive items. And I want you to always remember that. Always remember that. You might be building credit and you might be building your FICO score and you'll see that, you know, from one month to the next, your FICO score has increased three, maybe five points, maybe seven points, maybe eight points. You get a delinquency, you get a collection and you see a drop 10, 15, 20, 30 points. And you like, why? It's because of the way the FICO scoring algorithm works, right? It rewards for good things, but it penalizes a lot more for bad things. So the penalties cost you much more than the reward benefits give you for doing the right thing. So the key here is don't do, don't make mistakes. And if you make mistakes, be quick to rectify those things. And we're going to talk about next week, how you begin to, uh, you know, if you've already made some mistakes, you've had some setbacks, how you go in to kind of start dealing with that. So, so that's payment history. So I know I said a lot there, but that that's payment history. So moving in, because remember, there's there's five different areas that you need to be considering here, right? There are five five things that go into the FICO score. So moving into the next, we're going to talk about the amount of debt, right? So remember, amounts owed on accounts determines 30% of your FICO score. Remember that. So, you know, the amount that you owe makes up 30% of your FICO score. So what is amounts owed? So there are five factors that the amounts owed category looks at. The first factor is the amount owed on all accounts. The second factor is the amount owed on different types of accounts. So how much do you owe in your revolving? How much do you owe in your installment? How much do you owe on, you know, Visa, MasterCard, American Express, et cetera? How much do you owe in retail credit, et cetera, et cetera? The, th the, the third factor is how many accounts have balances? How many accounts are still open? How many accounts are you still making payments on? How many accounts are just sitting on your, uh, on your credit report that has zero balances on them and aren't being used, right? That actually does not benefit you. That actually weights against you, right? So, but that doesn't mean run out and close all the accounts with zero balances either. And because that that's not a good thing, right? Because you lose those trade lines, right? So those trade lines begin to close. They they show close, and and they don't they don't really do anything for you anymore, you know. But we're gonna talk about that more when we talk about building credit. And I start getting into the you know how you work with utilization ratio and things of that nature. So credit utilization. So the last area that that is considered here is credit utilization ratio on revolving accounts. All right. Now, remember I told you there are two types of, of, of trade lines, two types of credit, installment and revolving, right? What is revolving? Revolving credit is credit cards. Uh, anything that requires a, you know, that it has a line, let's say, you know, it's a fixed line of $1,000 and whatever you use of it is what you have to pay an interest on. Uh, so let's say you have a $1,000 credit card, you've used $100 on it. So now you have to pay interest on that $100 until you pay the $100 off. And once you pay the $100 off, you have full use of the 1000 again. If you don't pay the $100 off and you're just paying the interest, you only have use of the $900. That's called a revolving loan. A home equity line of credit is a revolving loan too. So a lot of people think home equity line of credit because it's a mortgage is considered an installment loan. And that's actually not the case. HELOCs or home equity lines of credit are considered uh, revolving credit. What we call them in the banking industry are revolving credit facilities. Uh, what you know them as are revolving loans. And so it's a revolving account because so basically what you're doing is taking equity and I'm going to talk a lot more about HELOC when we get into uh, discussing real estate, which is going to be uh, some time from now. But, you know, we're, I'm going to do a whole series on different aspects of real estate and, and, and business uh, things that you can do in real estate. I'm, I'm going to definitely talk about that. But uh, to simply put it, put it very easily for you. Uh, a HELOC works just like a credit card. So if you get a, a home equity line of credit, a second mortgage, that's a HELOC. And let's say they've extended you $50,000 on a HELOC. You're only required to pay interest on whatever you've used of the HELOC. So if you've only used $10,000 on it, you only have to pay interest on the $10,000. 
once you pay the 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 ten thousand down, you now have access to use that again. So let's say you've paid three thousand dollars down on the ten thousand on a fifty thousand uh, dollar home equity line of credit, right? So what we're saying here is now that you've paid three thousand on the ten you've used, you've got forty seven thousand dollars of usage as opposed to uh uh uh. uh uh, I'm sorry, let's say you paid $3,000 down, you actually have uh, $43,000 of usage now instead of $40,000 of usage, you still own $7,000, right? If you paid a whole 10 back, you've got the full use of the 50,000 again. So as you can see, HELOCs work a lot like credit cards. So when we talk about credit utilization ratios on revolving accounts, we wanna know what percentage of the revolving account is outstanding. We weigh that. So for example, going back to the same uh, example of the $1,000 uh, revolving account and the $1,000 credit card, if you've got a $1,000 credit card and you've got $500 on it that you've used, you are at what we call a 50% utilization ratio. You've used 50% of the amount of extended credit you've used. So if you only use $300, then you're at a 30% utilization ratio. And here's a hint, 30% uh, utilization ratio on your revolving accounts is where you want to you wanna stay there. We'll get into that when we talk about building credit. So I just wanted to kind of explain, you know, how that works, how credit utilization ratio works and how, uh, how revolving accounts work, what revolving accounts are. Ah, and before I forget, I talked to you about a revolving account. I didn't talk to you about installment loans. Installment loans. So installment loans are like mortgages, regular mortgages, not HELOCs. You get a 30-year fixed mortgage. Uh, you know, you owe $500,000 on it. You'll either pay principal and interest or just interest. If you're paying principal and interest, that means every single payment you make pays down the loan until the loan is paid off. But unlike a revolving account, it's not like they're extending you a line. No, they've given you a fixed loan for a specific thing. They've got to lean against that specific thing. And they're not giving you any more money. Uh, well, of course, unless you have you know, some additional equity, then they may give you a second. But that first loan is fixed. And so every payment you make goes towards paying down that loan. But there'll be no extension of, of additional credit under that specific loan. Now, uh, if you're interest only, you're only paying interest on the loan and you'll have a balloon payment at the end of your mortgage, which means that let's say you uh, pay interest for 30 years at the 30 year mark, uh, all the money that they gave you, let's say it was a $500,000 house. Let's just, for example, say they gave you a $500,000 loan, which that is not going to happen in today's economy, not getting 100% financing. But let's just for say for nice, easy round numbers that that was possible. Uh, you got a $500,000 loan, you paid interest the whole time. The balloon payment means that at the end of the mortgage, at the end of the 30 years, you're still going to owe that 500000 because you only paid the interest, right? So we'll get more into that when we get into real estate, how lending works, et cetera, et cetera. We'll get into all of those things. Uh, so, but I just want to, uh, auto, loan, auto loans are installment loans as well. So auto loans work the same way. It's the same concept as, as a mortgage loan. It's just for a car. So the two types of common installment loans that consumers see are mortgages and auto loans. There are two types of installment loans. Pretty much for the average consumer, every other loan they get is, is or every other piece of credit they get is going to be a revolving account or what we call on Wall Street a revolving credit facility. Okay. So the next item that we're going to talk about is length of credit history. Remember, I told you that, uh, you know, length of credit history makes up 15% of your overall FICO score. So let's talk about a little bit of what, what a, the length of credit history is. So when it comes to length of credit history, your FICO score takes three things into account. Three, how long your credit accounts have been open, including the age of your oldest account, the age of your newest account, and an average age of all of your accounts. How long, that's the first one. The second one is how long specific credit accounts have been open. And the third one is how long it has been since the account has been used. Those are the three factors that go into the length of your credit history. And I don't think I really need to delve into those too much more because I think they're pretty self-explanatory. Uh, if you would like me to delve into those things a little bit more, make a comment. 
at the bottom of this video, and I'd be more than happy to, you know, write something in on that comment uh, to delve into that a little bit deeper for you. Now, credit mix. So credit mix makes up, remember, credit mix makes up 10% of, of your credit. Credit mix makes up 10%. And what is credit mix? So when figuring out your credit mix, right, creditors check your credit, a hard inquiry. And I'll get into hard inquiries and soft inquiries in a minute. A hard inquiry, which typically lowers your credit score and remains on your credit report for two years. So hard inquiries, when a lender pulls your credit report and it's a hard inquiry, it is going to impact your FICO score negatively. And it, and, and it can sit on your account for two years. It'll sit on your credit profile for two years. Is there a way to get inquiries off of your credit? Yes. And I will talk about that when we talk about removing things from credit and disputing things in credit and, and all of those things. It is possible, but there's a little work to it. If you're willing to do the work, you can definitely get inquiries off. But overall, hard inquiries do lower your FICO score a bit. Uh, you know, if you've got one or two hard inquiries, not so bad. You need to be concerned if you've got, you know, five or more on your FICO, on your, on your credit profile, uh, that, that really begins to start impacting your FICO scores. So the goal is to not get too many inquiries. And this is why it's important that you understand what's going on in your credit profile and what your FICO score is, because you should know what's going on in your FICO score based on the the FICO scoring model used or commonly used or what the lender is using, because you can ask the lender what FICO scoring model they're using, you should know what your FICO score is in accordance with that model. So that way you know that if you're trying to apply for a, a specific uh, type of credit, you know that if they're going to pull your credit, there's a greater than not likelihood that you're going to qualify for the loan based on uh, your credit history and what we what we call the five C's of lending, which I'll get into when I talk about lending, which is collateral character, capital conditions and capacity. Don't worry, we're going to get into that when I talk about lending and how lending works. But it is if you don't have a good handle on your credit profile and you don't know what's going on in your credit profile, Ladies and gentlemen, it is very difficult for you to know if you're going to be approved for a loan and looking at Credit Karma does nothing for you. And I discussed that why that is in the last video. So please feel free to refer back uh, to Credit Mastery Part 1 if you need a, a better understanding of why Credit Karma is useless for you. Or apps like Credit Karma are completely and utterly useless for you. So now, here's the other thing. If a creditor sees you've opened an inordinate amount of new accounts within a small time frame, it could indicate to them that you are experiencing financial distress, whether true or not. The result, a likely denial of the loan. So now here's the interesting thing, right? So that's if you've opened new accounts. But what happens if you're applying everywhere and you've got all these different hard inquiries on your account? So, well, number one, they're looking at your credit profile anyway, but you know, <laughs> funny enough, for the most part, lenders kind of, we kind of stick together in certain aspects. So if I see that a whole bunch of other lenders have denied you, uh, chances are there's a good reason and I'm going to just go ahead and deny you too. If I see that you applied in the last 30, 60 days to 12, 13, 14, 15 different places. I see 12, 13, 14, 15 different hard inquiries, and I don't see an open trade line for those inquiries. I already know that you're a credit risk. I'm not interested. So that's another reason why you need to be very careful in the way uh, and, and the way you go about applying for things. Um, so now, Let's talk about the difference between hard inquiries and soft inquiries. A soft inquiry does not affect your FICO score. A hard inquiry does. So when you are talking to a lender and they want to pull your credit report, well, you need to ask them if, if it's going to be a hard inquiry or a soft inquiry. 
what is a hard inquiry versus what is a soft inquiry? And what is what, how do lenders determine what they're going to do or how they're pulling your, your credit report? Really, honestly, it depends on what program they're using to pull your credit report. For example, if a lender is using Credco and they've integrated Credco into their underwriting system for uh, vetting loans, Credco pulls a tri-merge credit report. Uh, so they have the option to pull a tri-merge. But Credco is a hard inquiry system. And so if they're using Credco, it's most definitely going to be on. Now, you won't know that they're using Credco because that's not how it's going to come across to you because Credco very much has a, a white label system that they provide to financial institutions. But if Credco is what they're using, it's going to be a hard inquiry. If what they're doing is taking a, and this is why it's called a soft inquiry, a soft look, which means they're not specifically going through a, an entire tri-merge pool, what they're doing instead is getting a brief summary report. That's a soft inquiry, right? So lenders have the option and the, the, the opportunity to do what are called summary credit reports or summary credit reviews of your credit history and your credit profile. It doesn't give them the exhaustive things that they would get if they did a hard inquiry, but it's enough for them to take a peek and, and determine if you are at least worth pulling a hard inquiry for if they have a, a thought or a, a belief that you could possibly uh, be approved for the loan or if there's a reasonable likelihood based on the summary report that you would be a good credit risk, at least from a, a, a FICO standpoint, a credit profile standpoint. And remember, I told you there's five C's to lending. So, you know, your credit score is only one of those C's. So there are other things that go into uh, underwriting and risk management for a loan. But again, we'll talk about that when we get into lending. So, so that is that that is that is how how credit mix kind of works. And so we talked about credit mix, uh, and we talked about revolving and installment accounts already. So we definitely talked about that. So you know what credit mix is. You know the difference between revolving and installment loans, such as credit cards. Uh, these are revolving accounts, credit cards, retail store cards, gas station cards, and home equity lines of credit. You know, when you talk about installment accounts, you're talking about mortgages, auto loans, and student loans. These are generally the types of installment accounts that consumers see. So lastly is new credit. New credit. Remember I told you new credit makes up 10%, 10%, 10 of your FICO score. Now, there are three things that the FICO scoring model looks at when it looks at new credit. It looks at how many new accounts you have. So how many accounts have you opened in the last 30 days? How many accounts have you opened in the last 60 days? How many accounts have you opened in the last 90 days? How many accounts have you opened in the last six months? All of that's weighted. All of that's considered. So here are, so the, the second part is, and, and I want to get into this as well. Um, and before I get into the second part, I, I, or the second thing that the, the, the FICO score model looks into, what I want to talk about is, you know, opening new accounts too rapidly. If you've been managing credit for a short time, don't open a lot of new accounts too rapidly. Don't do that. New accounts will lower your average account age, which will have a larger effect on your FICO scores. If you don't have a lot of other credit information, even if you have used credit for a long time, opening a new account can still lower your FICO scores. So why does opening new accounts? So if you've ever noticed, and I and, and this is why I want to spend a little time on this. If you ever notice, every time it seems like every time you open a new trade line, like a new installment loan or a new revolving uh, uh, facility, uh, like a credit card, have you ever noticed that as soon as you open it within thirty days, you look at your FICO score thirty days later, and it's gone down a little bit, and you're frustrated and you can't understand why? Let me tell you why. And this is especially true when it comes to revolving accounts. Uh, like credit cards. So what they don't tell you that I know, and you know this if you've been inside and you've you, you know, been in the banking industry, you know, 
The FICO scoring model, when you open a new credit card, let's say that credit card is a credit line, again, the nice easy example of $1,000, right? Well, this is a new trade line. And guess what? There's no history on it. So the FICO scoring algorithm can't determine what the utilization ratio is because it hasn't been used yet. So remember I told you that the 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 while the FICO scoring model does you know reward you for doing the right things it's weighted to penalize you much harder than it does reward you so how about the FICO scoring model when you get a new trade line the FICO scoring algorithm assumes a maxed out card initially it assumes right that you're going to use the entire thousand dollars which was the purpose of you getting uh, the credit card in the first place. So when you look at your FICO score 30 days later and you see that your FICO score has gone down is because the FICO scoring algorithm has assumed the entire 30, uh, the entire thousand uh, dollars against your utilization ratio, even though it hasn't been calculated yet because you haven't really gotten a chance to use it and have it reported to your credit report yet. So it just assumes the entire thousand dollars will be used. That is the real reason why your FICO score drops a little bit. Very few people know and understand that. Now, of course, you'll notice that as you use the card, right, especially if you're, you know, maintaining the proper utilization ratio, not only will your credit score return to normal, your FICO score return to normal, but it'll actually go up. The reason why that is, is now the algorithm has adjusted for actual real usage based on what you've done with the card as opposed to projected usage, if that makes sense. So I thought I'd share that with you because that that's a interesting uh, piece of a piece of data that I think would be very helpful for you. Now, so the, remember I told you there are three things that play into the new credit factor and we just covered the first one, which is how many new accounts you have. The second one is how many recent inquiries you have. How many recent inquiries? So first of all, the FICO score can really only considers uh, inqu hard inquiries for the last 12 months. So know that. So even though it can sit on your account for, for 24 months, it really only weights against the FICO score in the first 12 months. After the first 12 months, it doesn't have an effect on your FICO score anymore. So I just wanted to put that out there. But it definitely looks at how many recent inquiries you have. So, so... Now, there are three things that you need to know about inquiries. Oh, well, hard inquiries anyway. Well, all inquiries in general. But there are three things that you need to know. Number one is that inquiries usually have small impact on your FICO score, right? But they do impact in a negative way. The more you get, the more of an impact it has. But overall, it's a small impact on your FICO score, okay? Many FICO score, uh, I'm sorry, not many FICO scores, many types of inquiries are ignored completely. Again, soft inquiries don't have an effect on your FICO score, right? So there's that. The score allows for rate shopping. Okay, let's talk about rate shopping and how this works with the FICO scoring algorithm. Now, when a lender pulls your credit and uses a hard inquiry to do it, you have 30 days to close the loan with that lender. If you successfully close a loan with that lender, the hard inquiry will not impact your FICO score because the algorithm will adjust for the fact that while you got the hard inquiry, you also got approved for the loan. Remember, this system is about credit. Issuing credit in a safe, secure, manageable, risk manageable way for lenders. The entire FICO scoring system model reports inure to the benefit of the lender. So the lender, if you actually got a loan with them, would not want to see you penalized for the inquiry or the, the uh, review that they had to make on your credit to give you that loan. So instead, the FICO algorithm, uh, the FICO scoring uh, modeling algorithm adjusts for the fact that you got approved for the loan. And so therefore, 
before, right, the actual, um, the inquiry doesn't affect you. You can rate shop. What does that mean? You can have your FICO score pulled by three different lenders because you're trying to shop for the best rate. And as long as you close a loan with one of those lenders in 30 days, right, within 30 days, you're not going to have an impact on those hard inquiries. However, you get a hard inquiry and you don't close a loan because you got denied, that hard inquiry is going to affect your credit report. So that's another small piece of information that I, I wanted to share with you that most people don't know. So I hope that, you know, now that we've kind of gone through uh, how FICO scores are calculated and I spent a little time there, um, I hope you guys understand that really, really, really well. Uh, you know, I, I try to be as detailed as I can and provide as much information I can on, on in that area. Uh, again, if you have any questions, please feel free to leave a comment uh, in the uh, in the bottom of this video, and I'll be happy to um, you know enumerate or or highlight things if they were unclear for you uh, in this because I really want people to really really understand how this works, so you're able to manage this stuff yourself. Because when I'm done here. When I'm done with this series, the goal is for you to be able to do manage your own credit, fix your own credit, build your own credit uh, for the cost of a stamp in an envelope and a, and a certified mail return receipt requested envelope uh, or online through one of the credit bureaus. And we'll get into that when we talk about dealing with credit, which is our disputing and, and repairing and, and, and uh, uh, fixing your credit, uh, which is uh, that's the plan for next Friday, by the way. So I just, you know, we're going we're gonna to get into that next Friday. Now, so let's talk about what's in your credit report. And, you know, I want to I wanna spend a little time on this because there's some interesting things here that are not well known that I, I want to share with you guys. So, so there, what are the categories of information in your credit report? So personally identifiable, uh, identifiable information is, of course, in your credit report. Your name, address, social security number, date of birth, and employment information are used to identify you. Your PII is not used to calculate your FICO scores. Updates to this information comes from information you supply to lenders when you apply for new credit. Here is the thing. It is true. It is true that personally identifiable information does not affect your FICO score. However, that has nothing to do with the overall underwriting process and review of the lender. Here is the thing that a lot of people don't know. When you have several different what we'll call names or aliases on your credit profile, so, you know, of course, my name is, you know, as you guys probably already know, is Frederick Douglas Scott, right? So if I have Frederick Douglas Scott and it's spelled one way, Frederick spelled one way, then it's spelled another way. I got Frederick D. Scott, Frederick D. D. Scott, Frederick uh, Scoot you know, all these different uh, ways of spelling my name. Uh, I might have junior on one, the third on another, the second on another, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, this is all information I've provided to different lenders. Here's the problem with having different versions of your name, different spellings of your name, et cetera, on your credit profile. So with the rise of what we'll call the credit repair industry, the credit guru, right? A lot of these fly-by-night credit gurus and fly-by-night credit reporting company or credit repair companies have this thing where they try to um, dispute the accuracy or uh, not the accuracy, but dispute the uh dispute your 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 collections or delinquent accounts charge offs however you want to call them based on your personally identifiable information and they try to say prove to me that this was really me right lenders are tired of that so now what lenders are doing is when they see a whole bunch of different what we call aliases on your credit profile it actually raises the risk category for your lending decision 
Now, mind you, if you have a 720 mid FICO score, of course, you know, your personal identifying information and the amount of alias you have isn't going to stop that lender from giving you money. However, if you're at like a 590, 595, 600, you're at the bottom end cusp of, let's say, what that lender would consider for a loan. Let's say the minimum FICO score that they're considering to issue a loan is a 600, and you're right at a 600, 601, 605. The different aliases you have because you're on the cusp, right? So now it is an underwriting decision that can go one way or the other way. It's a 50-50 toss-up at this point because you are right at the cusp of the minimum FICO score. And let's say that the income you have is barely enough, right? They could approve it. They could deny it. Your aliases could be the difference between your approval and your denial. They could deny you simply because you're on the cusp. You have all these different aliases going on. You know, it's raised the risk category. And that's enough for them to be like, you know what? We're just going to go ahead and deny this loan. Boom, done, finished. So if you see on your credit profile, and this is, again, why you need to be looking at your credit profile at least once every 30 days. I mean, heck, I look at mine at least once a week. But you should be looking at it at least once every 30 days. If you start seeing a whole bunch of different spellings of your name, aliases, and things like that, that's stuff you can fix by talking to the credit bureaus. And we're going to talk about that when we talk about, um, you know, uh, building credit, uh, repairing credit. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about all of that, how you go about fixing those things and getting those things off of your credit. So that way, you know, or at least off of your credit profile. So that way you have a unified, a singular, uh, proper spelling of your name uh, and, and make sure that you know, once you do fix that, you don't make the mistake of then, you know, accidentally misspelling your name. Take your time when you fill out your loan applications. Make sure that the information you provide one lender is the same information you provide another lender. Now, here's the other thing. Let's talk about addresses. When you have several different residential addresses on your credit profile, right? So what we can see and what, so now, then now, while addresses don't affect your FICO score, they can potentially affect your ability to get the loan. Here's the thing. What a lot of people don't know is in addition to pulling your uh, your credit report, we do the, the credit risk and underwriting system uh, automatically does a, a cursory sweep of your background, right? You don't know that, but that happens. Now, if we see that, you know, you lived at 123 Main Street, you know, three months or, or three months ago, and now, you know, currently, or let's just say a better example is, let's say over a two-year period of time, you've lived 10 different places. Okay, cool. You got 10 different addresses in a two-year period of time. All right. It doesn't affect your FICO score. But what that shows to us is that you're unstable. You have unstable living conditions. For whatever reason, you cannot plant roots. You cannot stay put for a long period of time. So that to us means that you might have some financial issues. Uh, there may be some volatility or some up and down in your income, which prevents you from being able to... Uh, become or have a stable living environment. And because of that, you are a high risk to us. And therefore, we have no interest in potentially doing business with you, especially if you're on that bottom and cusp. But again, if you got a 720 mid FICO score, hey man, we might go ahead and lend you the money anyway, provided that the other factors in the five season lending, uh, majority of those look good too. Uh, we might go ahead and lend you the money anyway. But if you're on that cusp, the bottom end, we have no interest in dealing with you. Now, let's talk about your phone number. What a lot of people don't know, and I want to put this out there and share this with you. What a lot of people don't know is that a phone number, and not just a cell phone number, I'm talking about a landline phone number. A landline phone number is so important because 
a landline, you know, most people don't use landlines anymore. Everybody got cell phones now. People don't really go get landline phone numbers. But believe it or not, while your phone number does not affect your FICO score, when a lender from an underwriting standpoint sees a landline on your uh, credit profile, a landline signifies to the risk system and the underwriting system that you've planted roots and you plan on being at that location for a while because you have a landline phone number. Landline phone numbers are a hidden gem for you. If you don't have a landline, even if you never use the landline, spend $5 a month, $10 a month to get a landline from your phone company. You don't ever have to plug a phone into it. You just got to have a phone number. You know what I mean? And it's got to appear in your credit profile and that's it. Or plug a phone into it and, and use it for a very specific purpose. Uh, the lender calling that number when they want to verify your address or something like that. You don't have to really use it, but you got to have it. Establish a landline. Spend the 5 or $10 a month to get you a landline phone number. Heck, you can use that landline as a, especially if you got a home-based business or, you know, you have a company and you do have an office, but you do work from home too. Like I'm in my home office right now, right? So if you do work from home, right, having that landline, it can double as a fax machine too. So it can double as a fax line. Man, get you a landline. I can't stress to you how how that little that little gem right there, that little landline right there can can give you so much, can say so much for such a little thing. It says so much to the lender and the and the underwriting system. Get you a landline. So, you know, I I just kind of wanted to cover kind of what's in the credit profile, how the credit profile algorithm works. I hope I did a good job. I, I hope I did a good job explaining this to y'all. So y'all definitely, you know, show me a little love in the comments today, you know, hit that like button if I did a great job today, because I know I said a lot and I was trying to simplify it and, you know, I didn't want to make it too complicated. You know, when I was writing the outline for this, I was like, dang, man, you know what I mean? I hope I don't lose people in this conversation. So I really tried to take the time to really, you know, get into this in detail, be specific, use examples, things like that to help you guys understand kind of how the credit, you know, system works, how it, how the algorithm works with your credit profile, how different things, you know, affect your credit profile, how certain things don't affect your FICO score, but definitely affect your, you know, can affect your, your, your uh, underwriting process for getting a loan. So I really tried my best to be, you know, detailed, but clear. And, and, you know, I didn't want to, you know, I try to take this down to the, the, the simplest forms and use the simplest terms that I possibly could to kind of help you guys understand this. So definitely drop me a comment. Let me know if I did a good job because, you know, I was really a little bit nervous about this one. I was like, man, I don't want to lose nobody. So y'all let me know. Show me some love. Let me know I did my thing today. All right, y'all. Yo, listen, I appreciate y'all. Uh, I love talking to y'all. I love that y'all spend the time to listen to me hear what I got to say. I hope y'all learned something today. I hope it was beneficial for y'all today. Hey, listen, yo, if you love what I'm doing, you love this content, yo, please hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that bell notification. Leave me a comment at this bot at the bottom of this video. Show me some love. Y'all got me sweating in here and everything for y'all. Boy, I'm in here sweating. Give y'all this knowledge, boy. Hey, listen, got the Listen on the forehead, but the waves spin in the wind, though. Ain't no, but listen, seriously, all jokes aside, you know, definitely hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit the bell notification. Leave me a comment on the bottom of this video. Let me know what you think. And definitely hit the join button to join the hashtag real woke live chat community. It is because of the support of you guys that I'm able to keep making this great content and roll out great programs and initiatives that benefit this community. It is your support that makes that possible. So I appreciate everybody that already does support me. For those of you who have not yet joined the hashtag Real Woke Live Chat community, definitely hit the join button uh, on the podcast or click the link that'll be pinned to this video, right? And go ahead and join the hashtag Real Woke Live Chat community, especially because I'm getting ready to roll out something that it definitely 
uh, something that you're going to most definitely, the community is very much going to want to be a part of, and that's only going to be possible. You can only participate if you are a member of the hashtag Real World Live Chat community. Listen, I appreciate y'all. I enjoy y'all. I enjoy coming on, talking to you guys. And until the next hashtag for the free Friday, I'm out.